Today, I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray and then jump into the word from the book of Matthew. We are continuing in Matthew chapter 13. Today, we are going to continue in parables that Jesus has been given. Today, Lord, we thank you for this day and for your presence and your love. For the guests and for those who are here, our members For those who are sick and not feeling well in their bodies, we lift them up in a special way. We pray for Maureen, who um, is in the hospital. They're not sure just why she can't keep food down, but we lift her up in a special way. Our prayers are with her. Sister Inez, lift up in a special way the Coleman family, Sister Nancy. We lift up Brother Kenny. Pray for these individuals that are not doing well. And today we just thank you that we can share in bringing the word of God. Now give us ears that will hear the message. Give us feet to carry out, hands to do what you have called us to do. May we remember that this place here on earth really is not our home. We are spiritual beings. When we leave this place, that's not the end. God, we have a spirit soul. Today we pray that we will feed the inner man. We pray that you will make us attentive and give us ears to ear. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This message is a difficult message, yet the when Jesus taught parables and taught in the word, he often, as I mentioned, did not hold back the very things that needed to be said. And as we continue in this, in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew, we have been going through the study of Matthew and we come to the place now, we come to the place Here, where we look at the seventh parable in this particular chapter, Matthew 13 has actually, one could say, eight parables in this chapter. And as I go through, I will say, as I get into the message, that in this chapter, the parables can be paired. They can be paired. And... I won't have time to go through to make the various points, but I will give you the pairing of the miracles or the parables in Matthew 13. One of the things in regards to what Dolores mentioned about little Michael and uh, the fact that he believes in God. How old is Michael? Seven. And the little boy, he is having a time because his little his friend at the school don't believe in God. And his, he feels it's his duty to make him believe they're the God. Whether it comes to blows or not, we, you going to believe in the Lord. You say that there's no God, that's fighting words for little Michael. <laughs> say, don't you, don't you tell me there's no God. Boom! <laughs> so I just <laughs> tell little evangelist we're praying for him. This is what Matthew 13, beginning at verse 47, says. I'll be reading 47 through 52. 
I think I'm going to read another passage that I didn't give, Anisha. But beginning at Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I'm going to turn over to the book of uh, Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. Again, I did not give Anisha these, so I'm going to just go ahead and read them. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 4. 3 and 4. And this is what it says. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. As a title, if you want to write this down, I have given, Are You a Keeper or a Throwback? <laughs> are You a Keeper or a Throwback? The seventh parable in Matthew 13 is the third parable that Jesus spoke to his disciples when he went into the house and spoke to them alone. If you recall in our study, the first parable that Christ gave, he was with his disciples and he was teaching the people. But then he left the crowds and the Bible says he went into the house and the disciples came to him and they asked Jesus to tell them the meaning of the parable about the weeds. And so it was given to them in a private setting where the Lord gave the interpretation. And while they were there, the Lord followed up with additional parables to the disciples. And this would be the third of those parables. The first after them being alone was the, excuse me, was the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. Now, the parables that Jesus ends with is dealing with judgment. Judgment. This parable about the net is dealing with judgment. Now, some see in this parable seven parables, some eight. We're going to look at eight. Now, let me just give you this for your own reading for later. 
But let me give you the pairings of the parables in chapter 13 of Matthew so you can do your reading and your own study. Parables, I'm going to start with two. Parables number two and seven could be together. Parables number two and seven. Parables three and four. Parables five and six. And then parables one and eight. Because they go together in how they deal with a similar subject matter. If we're not eternal beings and death really meant cessation of life, then what happens after life or after death, it really wouldn't be be any concern for us. If there was no judgment, if there was no life after death, if I did not have to face the Lord, I don't know if I'd be living a righteous life. You see, in my inmost being, there is corruption there. When Adam and Eve fell, you need to understand that they were separated from God and they went their own way. You see, what death really is, it really just means separation. When this body passes off the scene, the body goes back to the dust. But the spirit of the person, that inner person that God made, either goes to be with him or without him. It is not based on how good you are. You see, many people think that if I earn enough points, I can get into heaven. Well, if that was the case, the Lord never would have had to come. And so, he paid a price for us that we could not pay. And I don't have time to go through all of that. But as we get into this parable, I bring this up because when you look at the backdrop, it really is fascinating because the Lord is talking about something that really can be avoided. It can be avoided. The Lord never meant for us to be separated from him. Never, never, never. He never meant for us to be eternally separated. And so he came to pay the price that we could never pay. And it's free. That's the great thing about it. Cost him everything, but for us, it's free. It's not enough money. And Fort Knox, my dad used to say, not enough gold anywhere, not enough for you to be able to purchase the blood of Jesus Christ. Point number one, and I'll be dealing with point one and several things under that. Caught up in the dragnet and brought to shore. Caught up in the dragnet and brought to shore. That's the parable. When you look at the, the parable that the Lord gave, and this being a parable about judgment, it is Jesus himself that speaks more about judgment in the New Testament than, in the, in the New Testament than many of the other writers. I think it really would behoove people to pay more attention to how many things and how many times the Lord deals with judgment. You see, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and the word that he gave, one has to consider this. If the Lord was wrong in what he was teaching, then you have nothing to worry about. But if he is correct and he has never been proven wrong, then it makes sense to pay attention to what he says. 
in this parable that the Lord gave, that he lays out before the disciples, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered every kind of fish. In the Greek, there is a word called segene. Segene. It means net, a dragnet. A net is something that the fishermen would use, and it was often pulled between two boats. This dragnet being pulled between two boats would gather and catch anything and everything in its, in its, in its area. It, it, would, it would get the good things and the bad things. And so as these boats would pull this dragnet, they would pull this to get fish, but they understood that they might get some other stuff that they really did not want. They didn't worry about what the net picked up because they knew that they were going to get to a place and that there would be a time of sorting. Now, because of this matter here and because of this net, it was very important that they didn't take the time to start going through the net to see, oh, we shouldn't have this now, let me take it out. No, they felt that, no, let's wait until we have the net full and get it to the place where we can sit down and do the proper sorting. Now, half of Jesus' disciples were fishermen or knew something about fishing. I don't know a whole lot about fishing. I've gone fishing, but I don't know a whole lot about fishing. If you put me out on the water, I'm not going to be much of a help to you. I can hand you stuff, but I'm not going to be much of a help to you. But Peter and Andrew, James and John, they could help you. And in fact, it was Jesus who called them from fishing and said, come, follow me. Now, it it really takes something when you would drop everything to follow the Lord. But that's the very thing that they did. They left their profession to go follow Jesus. You see, when that dragnet, when that net is pulling things, the primary purpose is to get what they want. Do you recall the time when Jesus, uh, when Peter and the disciples were out fishing and they didn't catch anything all night long? And the Lord said, have you got anything? He says, no, put the net on the other side. Now, As my dad said, if they're not biting on this side of the water of the boat, they're not going to be biting on that side of the boat. But because of being obedient, they put the net on the other side, and they caught so many fish that they had to call the others to help drag the net in. It was a matter of them just being obedient to what the Lord said. You see, there are some things that really just don't make sense when we think about it. But when Jesus says to do something, it makes sense to do it. Even when you think about fighting a war, it doesn't make sense to march around the walls of Jericho. It wouldn't make sense to walk around there fighting an army. But because the Lord says, march around the walls of Jericho, it makes sense because he says it. You see, one of the things that we've got to understand is that the battle is not yours. 
It's not, it, it, it's not your responsibility to look at and, and, and evaluate. Now, what did Jesus say? Do I have to do it? It's a matter of saying if Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. This dragnet was cast, the first thing we know, it was cast into the water. Now, note, it covers a wide area. It is already understood that the net is going to pick up unwanted things along the way. One of the things that we note in this net is that there is nothing that is said with the net being thrown out about trying to contain, trying to control how much it contains. When you look back at parable number two, the wheat and the weeds, the man that planted, planted only good seed. You remember that? Only good seed. But there was an enemy in that one that we spoke about who came and had sown bad seed. And the, people, and, the, and the workers came and said, Master, didn't you plant good seed? And he says, yes, should we go pluck up the, the bad? He says, no, let them grow together. So there was a planting, but in this dragnet, it doesn't mention anything about what it's supposed to catch. Just put the net out there, and whatever comes in it, let it stay. Doesn't make a difference what it brings in. Let it remain. The purpose of the dragnet is not to just let it stay out there in the water. It's out there for the purpose of collecting and catching fish. It is going to be the contents later on that's going to be inspected. That dragnet is being pulled to shore. It is being pulled, and it's going to be the responsibility of the men that bring that dragnet to shore to then sit down and go through the contents. But they have to wait until the net is full. Now, on these nets, there is a weight on the bottom and it closes at the top. Once that net is closed, what's in there cannot get out. It is in there. It is trapped. And the only way that it is going to be taken out is once it is opened up and it begins to be sorted. The men began to sort through what's there. As I mentioned, Peter and Andrew were used to fishing. They were used to looking, having nets, and then going through the nets once things have been gathered. Fishing is not easy because not are you only going to catch the fish. The hard work comes now in the separation of the fish and what's in the net. See, the only the first part of it is actually the fishing, the collecting. But once you begin to sit down, that's where the hard work begins. You've got to determine is what I have worth keeping, or do I now throw this away? And it is determined by those that are doing, that's doing the sorting. The work is laborious. However, it needs to be done. Fishermen knew that catching the fish was not all there was to it. The process had to involve the work. And what they would then do is when that boat would bring that dragnet, the men would drag it ashore, and they would then sit down and begin that process of opening up the contents and going through. Now, when Jesus says, 
in the spiritual application of this, he says, so it will be at the end of the age. He uses this analogy, this parable of fishing, because the disciples would understand it. He knew it. They knew about fishing. So this example that he used would be something that they understood. He says that the angels will be the ones separating the good from the bad. Whenever Jesus gives a, a parable, it is never meant to only focus on the physical or the matter of life as we know it here and now. But he uses what we know, what we can relate to, what we understand, to actually make it apply to a higher principle, a higher purpose. And so he gives them this, and then he gives the interpretation. It really is a scary thing when you think about what the Lord begins to say about this matter of separating. Because the matter of separation only gives two options. Either it is kept or it is thrown back. It is thrown away. You see, you don't determine the standard in the, or the, the catch does not determine the standard. The fish can't say, you know, I'm a good fish. Don't throw me back. I'm a keeper. Don't throw me back. The determination comes from the person who is making the separation. You see, once it is already caught, it can't say, I, I didn't mean to get caught. Can you let me go? The person that is making the determination. And so the Lord says, the angels are going to do the separating. It's the Lord that's given them the responsibility. The Lord has said that at the judgment, at this time, those that are good will be kept here and those that are bad will be thrown away. The Bible says, as it is written in Romans, no one is righteous, no, not one. When we think of the good and the bad, the Bible is not speaking about necessarily a person doing good deeds, good works. When the Bible says there is none righteous in the book of Romans, no, not one, it is speaking of the sense that we can never measure up or earn our way into heaven. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Sinners cannot save themselves. They cannot determine the standard. They cannot say, God, but this is what I've done. Look at all the good things. You see, when a person is building a building, they may use a plumb line. I know Val and, and, and Don knows about a, a plumb line, is that they have to have some type of measure to determine what's the standard by which we're going to build. They use scales. They use different things to determine to make sure that building or whatever they're doing is going to be straight. The measure that the Christian uses is the word of God. And that's the standard that we have to come by and we have to measure up to. It is never based on our own thinking or our own feeling. And so when people come and stand before the Lord, they can't say, but Lord, I've done this. It is only based on God's word. And so we have to consider what is the separating that takes place? The separating that takes place is a separation for those who have come to the Lord that are his who have said, yes, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. 
And those that are the throwbacks or throwaways are those who have never said yes to the will of God. It makes no difference how good or how bad a person has been. It's what the Lord has done in the life of that person. The Lord describes a very horrific scene where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When he says this, remember, the symbol is often, can never be as worse as reality. But the words that he uses are never, never pleasant. Have you ever heard positive things about hell? No. You've heard wonderful things about heaven. Wonderful things. The separation that takes place by these angels are those that are being gathered who have come to the Lord who have said yes to his will. But those who have not are the ones that are thrown away. When the Lord gives this parable, he then asks his disciples a question. Do you understand this? And the disciples said, yes. Now, there's controversy. Did the disciples really understand? Because later on, you will come to discover that there are some things that they still didn't quite understand. But they said, yes. And then the Lord moves to another point. Look at this. It says, 1351, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. When the disciple says, yes, Lord, we understand this. Get this. Three parables were told to them alone. And they said, we get it, Lord. And based on that, the Lord goes to the next point. You see, if they didn't get it, the Lord would have stopped and would have given them another parable or would have tried to help their understanding. He wouldn't have gone on. But because they said yes, he then goes on to the point and says, and he said to them, every scribe. Now, when you think about scribes in the Bible, a scribe, we said, was a lawyer. A scribe was a person in the Bible, and they would think of, think of even today, they were the ones who would write. They, they, would, they copied the scriptures. But they also were the ones who interpreted the word of God for the people. When the Lord uses the word scribe here, oftentimes people think, oh, weren't the scribes bad? No. Ezra was a scribe. The scribe was actually a person who was trained in the word of God. And the Lord says, every scribe. And so when we look at this here, the Lord is letting the disciples know that you are going to be the learners and you are going to be the ones that's going to be bringing people the things that are new from what I'm telling you, as well as things from the past, from the Old Testament. Old and new, the new teachings, the old. A person is bringing them out of their treasure, their storehouse, and they're going to present them. Get this. You cannot have the New Testament without the old. When people say, I, I don't go to the Old Testament, I only read the new. You cannot have the old without the new. And so when the Lord talks to them and tells them about 
the old and the new. You see, in your treasure box, you've got things that are new, you've got things that are old, and a person brings them out. It's like when you're searching and going through, oh, I haven't seen this in a long time. And you begin to look at these things, and you begin to, and to think about, oh, my goodness, and you sometimes put those things up on a counter. You begin to share those things. Well, it's the same with the Word of God. When we think about the old things of the Word of God, what Jeremiah was preaching and what Abraham was, was teaching and Moses and how we lived. And you look at Jesus. All of it comes together. All of it is to be shared. All of it has benefit for life. You see, the Old Testament brings into focus the New Testament. It brings more clarity to the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples were being trained for the kingdom of heaven, and they would be the ones, and we are the ones, that would be carrying out the work that the Lord has called us to do. The new foundation of the church, think about it, being built on the word of God. The disciples, the very ones who ran when Jesus was crucified, would be replacing the Pharisees and the scribes in their teaching when they had been leading the people down a path and they were being hypocritical. It was the disciples that became the pillars of the church. It was in Jerusalem where James helped found the church there. And we think about this matter. It's the church today that the Lord has called and is coming back for. So the disciples told the Lord, we understand. And then Jesus tells them that they are to bring forth old and the new. Old and the new. When we think about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, the Bible often says in Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. It's trying to give a picture of what it is like. It is something that we are to consider and to put and to grasp because it is something that can be attained. Let me say this as I bring this to a conclusion. If you have been caught up in the net and you are the one that has been a keeper and not a throwback, you can rejoice because your eternity, your reward will be eternity with the Lord Almighty. Your reward will be with him, being with Jesus throughout all eternity. When the Lord says there's going to be a separation, you see that in the book of Revelation, you see it here. That separation that occurs has to occur. Get this. You can be a keeper. You don't have to be a throwback. You don't have to be one that's guessing if I'm going to make it in. Christians should not be guessing if they're going to make it in. They can say, based on what the Lord has said in his word, I know that I am a child of the king. And so one of the things I want to make clear to you today is that when God does the separating, when he does the separating, there will be no mistakes. There won't be any person being able to say, God, you got it wrong. We are now in this world, in the net. But once 
at the end of time, it closes and the separation begins. It will be too late to say, God, I now believe. Can I have another chance? Now is the time to make the Lord your Savior, your choice. Right where you are, if you'd bow your heads, with your eyes closed. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. It's a matter of just confessing our, our sins to the Lord and says, Lord, I do believe. I, I want to be one of the ones that's a keeper, Lord. I want to be one of the fish, one of those that was caught in the net. And when the separation came, I want to be one of the ones that's declared righteous. Declared righteous before you. And all one has to do says, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for my life of sin. I now accept the finished work of Jesus Christ into my life. And that makes you a keeper. Just that. Just doing that. Today, is there anyone that says, you know, yeah, I want to be a keeper. I want to say yes to the will of God. If you just put your hand up and down, I'll pray for Yes, I want to be a keeper. I want to be a keeper. I want to be a keeper. I want to be Declared righteous before the Lord. Lord, in this place today, for the hands that are raised, we are praying that you will do a work in the lives of the individual. We pray today that when the test of time comes and the end is set, that we can hear the welcome words of the Lord. It says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We pray today that in this place, while the word may not be easy, it's a word that God allows us to know that you have already paid the price. You have already made a place for us to be with you. So it is in this place that, God, we pray that you will help us to know and to understand that we don't determine nor make the rules, but we just say, According to the word of God, I'll obey. Thank you for not leaving us guessing what we need to do. Thanking you, thank you for uh, making, it, making it even possible for us to be able to afford it. We could never pay for it on our own. And so today we pray that you will be honored, that you will be glorified, that you will be praised and lifted up. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for your grace and your glory and your mercy. Have your divine way as we prepare to leave. Keep us safe as we go this week. Bless as we come back for the study, the Bible studies, and the work of the ministry. Keep us this day. Keep us all week. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name.